Hi, welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie. Everybody's doing well. Happy Valentine's Day, of course, it'll be after that when you listen to it. But, uh, it'll be after that by the time we get it posted. That's true. But in any case, wanted to check in, tell you what we've been reading. All right, go first. Okay. Uh, I finished off a lot of things I'd started before. Renegades, Born in the USA by Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen. Uh, the disappointment here is this basically is just a transcript of the podcast that the two of them did, uh, what, a year ago, thereabouts? I don't uh, remember. Well, whenever they did it, they did it, <laughs> and this is what they said on it. So if you've heard it, you can read it. It did have nice photos, but I know elaboration beyond what was there. So if you want a souvenir that, it's cool. If you didn't listen to the podcast, you might find it interesting. But if you did, like I did, it's the same thing you've already heard. Uh, Polk, The Man Who Transformed the Presidency and America by Walter R. Borneman. Um, Polk, one of the more interesting presidents of his run, probably the most successful president between Jackson and Lincoln, uh, and Borneman's biography does a good job of explaining why he did so well. Kind of a consummate politician. The thing that was interesting with Polk is he ran on a strict promise of being a one-term president, and he was. He had four years. He accomplished most of the things he wanted to accomplish, and he went away and left everybody alone. And in fact, dropped dead sooner than any other president has post-presidency. So I guess it's as well that he didn't try a second term because he died about 45 days after his presidency ended. But uh, a good biography that hits the high points of his administration and life. And on we go to Zachary Taylor. What number is Zachary Taylor? Twelve. Well, you're moving through. I'm trying. There are only apparently three Zachary Taylor biographies. So this was one I had to ILL, but I have it. And the one I'm reading, funny enough, is by John Eisenhower of the Dwight Eisenhower family. So... Nothing like having the, I guess, grandson of a president write about another president, but that's what you get here. Dick Vitale's Mount Rushmore's of College Basketball by, of course, Dick Vitale, who's uh, missing this season. He's had cancer and then various voice problems. Uh, So I wanted a chance to capture his unique voice through the written word this time. And it's a cool idea. He picks his four favorite, you know, great coaches or players who are amazing freshmen or whatever. Uh, you know, does 20 or 30 different categories. It's a nice, light, easy read. Uh, I would disagree with some of his picks, but who wouldn't? That's half the fun. Uh, but a pleasant book. You like things that are categorized and that people pick their favorite things on. Oh, this is always a, a rich field to mine. So I read a book called Band, B-A-N-N-E-D, Baseball's Blacklist of All-Stars and Also Rands by Hal Bach. And it's about, as it suggests, the players who were ever banned from baseball in their stories. Most of the older guys are the more interesting ones. I mean, know about Shoeless Joe Jackson or the guys who tried to jump to the Mexican League in the 40s and got banned and, and things like that. But, you know, some of the old-time stuff is a little more interesting. It's pretty cut and dried. It was a quick read, but uh, I didn't learn a ton I didn't already know. Um, The Man Who Was Poe by Avi, I guess is how you say that individual's name. The only way I've ever heard anyone say it. A-V-I, whatever that is. Uh, It's a book that I had read. It's a YA novel I read as a kid. And 
my son was interested in it, so we picked it up and read through it. These are actually middle grades novels. Most yeah, of yeah, it really ones. is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of a thriller mystery. Uh, a boy, his sister disappears, his mother has disappeared, and somehow he enlists Edgar Allan Poe to help him track them down, which seems like a very macabre but not bad idea. Um, you know, it... it I remember it as a pretty good book. It holds up okay. Uh, Poe is weird, but then Poe actually was weird, so I guess that's fair similitude for you. My daughter's reading The True Confessions of Charlotte Doyle right now in her reading class, and I remember reading that, I think, at her exact same age. So I didn't read that one. Avi lives on and on and on. Oh, yeah. it's It's been a lucrative career. I assume Avi's a woman, and that's... A lot of the times with the people who choose an ambiguous name like that. I have YA, no idea. The women but who are trying to hide that for greater sales. I have no idea. Having never, I, don't, I think True Confessions of Charlotte Doyle is the only thing I've ever read by this author. But I was at NCTE several years ago, which is the National Conference for Teachers of English, um, where... Avi was one of the speakers, I think, but I did not want to <laughs> yeah, pay. Since you didn't go, you don't I know. I didn't want to pay extra money, so I didn't go. Yeah. Well, whatever Avi is, Avi has, has had a lucrative and lengthy career. And uh, like one of my again. friends who's a middle school teacher is dying right now. She's listening to this because Avi is one of her favorites. So. Oh, you know, I read several of those books. But, uh, again, the good news was, was Ryan enjoyed it this time around. And uh, so that's, that's two generations who've read this particular novel. Excellent author. So. And I also read a book called The Back Roads to March by John Feinstein. And Weinstein is one of my kind of long-time uh, likes, great sports writer. And it was a cool idea. He, he did a season of college basketball, I believe it was 2019, whatever year Zion Williamson played for Duke. It's that year, 1819, it all blurs together for me. Uh, but he followed the season of college basketball, not through the mainstream teams, but through the mid-major teams. He uh, he opens it up by talking about a game he went to in Farmville, Virginia. And when he told his wife he was going to Farmville, Virginia, she was like, that's it, you're cheating on me. There cannot be a Farmville, Virginia. So, in fact, he finishes the book and says, and yes, whatever his wife's name is, there is a Farmville, Virginia, because there really is. Um, yeah, I identify with his premise. Uh, I've, I always had a lot of fun as a teenage PA announcer for a Division II basketball team just because the game is different when you get out of the higher levels where money runs everything. It is, I suppose, a pure fun uh, form of the game. If not, it's at least a form where the players are going to be around a while longer and you get to see them kind of grow and mature and develop, and, and that's a different sort of thing. So good writer. It's a book that did well. Um, but I'm really excited about his next one, which is about the whole um, – Kaepernick and race and sports controversy. Uh, it's in there. It's going to be in my list shortly. That's coming up. But You, uh, you have it already? Yes. Did I buy it for you? Yes. That's his new book. Oh, okay, okay. It's something about raise a hand, take a knee, something like okay, that. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember the title. but Is that the one that you drove me to Barnes & Noble to buy for you? <laughs> or was that this one? I don't know. There was one book I couldn't find anywhere, and I needed to go to Barnes and Noble right before Christmas. I think it to was it. it was this one because I had this one dropped me off. And again, it's eighteen or nineteen. It's a couple years old. The other one's new. Okay, so, you yeah. didn't know what I was getting, but yeah, you drove me to buy mm. this present. So yep. I guess I did. Uh, so other than the shared book, that's it for me. 
Okay. I read Yinka, Where Is Your Husband? I cannot remember how she said in the beginning of the book you were supposed to pronounce this word. Um, by Lizzie Damalola Blackburn, which was really just such an excellent novel. Um, the title suggests the essential premise of a single woman. Um, she is Nigerian, and her family desperately wants for her to get married. I feel like I have read a lot of books with this premise over the last year or so because um, it leaves it leaves you open for all kinds of hijinks. Um, it's opens up remarkably to a lot of very different kinds of things happening. But this is my favorite of all of the ones that I've read because this book emphasized the importance of trying to figure out who you are as a single person and like yourself as a single person and be content in yourself as a single person instead of looking for another person to complete you, which is unique in this sort of genre. So I really found this one to be very fun. Plus, Yinka herself was just an incredibly likable character. Then it's there, odd to me that that's not a more common thing, though. I mean, single people deal with enough <laughs> garbage from the, the projecting world. I would think literature would be one area of escape, but it's, it's good that always, it was here. So, yeah. All right, then I read Beach Read by Emily Henry, which is a reread that I think I've already talked about, I don't know, at least twice on this podcast. So I don't really think that I will go back into it again. I chose it because I was, I think I was finished with all my Christmas books and then um, nothing had come in from the library, or at least nothing fiction. And I've like read a ton of nonfiction lately, and so I just needed something to kind of lighten things up. So I read that one again. It's an excellent romance if that is something that you're interested in. It's, again, just very smart. The characters are incredibly likable. It feels like um, a book that kind of jumps genres, too. It's not, you know, doesn't fit only in the romance category. All right, then I read Find Unicorn Space. Find Your Unicorn Space, sorry, I wrote it down wrong, by Eve Rodsky. This is a nonfiction book, and while I said I've read a lot of nonfiction lately, this is the only nonfiction book that I've read over the past two weeks. Um, this one is about the importance of finding creative pursuits that ignite your passion that you want to follow, not necessarily for a job, because if you do that, then you're no longer an amateur, you're being paid for it, it takes up a different kind of space in your life. But things that just fill you with joy that you, they need to excite your curiosity. Um, they need to bring you joy. Um, ideally, they need to be something that you can share with others. It focuses um, on women's need to find these things because women typically are the um, people in the household who get taken up with household chores and responsibilities and allow these things to squeeze out of their lives. But really, the examples that she talked about, there were some that were with men too, and men can struggle with this just as much as women. But whatever it is that you have in your life, maybe something you like to do when you're a kid, maybe something you've wondered about, again, you're supposed to just get that curiosity flowing. I liked this book, again, um, more than some of the others in this genre that I've read because it was very friendly, very relatable, and it did focus on the idea that you're doing this purely for your own joy. If it comes to something else, lovely. But if not, you're really just doing this to enrich your own heart. And I found that very appealing. Um, actually, <laughs> one of the silly things I did while reading this book, 
I guess it's not really silly, but I ended up downloading a language app and starting trying to learn French. And then our daughter downloaded the same app and she started trying to learn Portuguese just because she's always wanted to learn a language and I always wanted to learn French. Will I ever go to France? Who can say? Will I ever use what I learn? Probably not because I imagine that whatever French I speak will be uh, spoken with this southern accent that I cannot shake. But I just like it. It's really fun. I've been doing it for a couple of weeks, and I have really enjoyed the things that I'm learning. I really enjoy when they do the vowel sounds, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I hear, oh, oh, because I immediately go, sir, mix a lot, and I'm like, oh, double up, oh, oh. Please don't ever do that again. (laughs) It's on the internet. It's it's eternal now. All right. (laughs) Uh, the last one that I read for these two weeks is The Maid by Nita Prose. I heard a lot of really good reviews about this, so I picked it up. It's kind of a cozy mystery um, about a woman who is a maid in a boutique hotel. Um, she is deeply proud of her job. She suffers from um, a social awkwardness. She doesn't always understand cues that other people are giving. And up until recently, her grandmother had been the one who helped her figure out how to fit, how to respond to people, um, and how to just really love herself, no matter whether other people got her or not. But at the beginning of the story, her grandmother has passed away, and she's newly on her own. Then the first chapter, she finds a guest at the hotel dead in his bed, and then suddenly finds herself the chief suspect in his murder. And so it's just, it's a quirky and very sweet novel about figuring out who you can trust, who your friends are, what makes up your friends, and of course, how to get yourself out of being accused of murder. Okay, let's go on to our shared book. Let's not, because actually I do want to interject that Avi is a man. Avi's real name is Edward Wirtus, which I guess is why he's Avi, because Edward Wirtus didn't sound that good. So I apologize to Avi for misgendering him, but... I didn't want to add that in. Okay, our shared read is Tangled Up in Blue by Rosa Brooks. That it is. You'd read this uh, a while back. I got to it. Uh, Subtitled Policing the American City. Um, Interesting book because it relates to a book I read a few weeks ago, A Few Seconds of Panic by Stefan Fatsis, because he does the whole participatory journalism thing, and he tries to be a kicker with the Denver Broncos, and Rosa Brooks becomes a Metro Police Department officer in Washington to talk about police. So you automatically get that, you know, feed-in-the-fire element of participatory journalism, which is always fascinating. I love that. It's, It's a cool thing to do. I've never considered doing it, but uh, I I always enjoy when writers do that. Rosa Brooks was a law professor at Georgetown when she decided to join the uh, D.C. Police Department as a volunteer police officer, which meant she had to go through a lot of the same training as a regular police officer. Her motivations for doing this were um, many and kind of strange even to herself. She had a hard time justifying to herself why she wanted to do this much less to her family. Um, But written as it was, this this was before the George Floyd murder. Yeah, it's mentioned Um, in the afterword. Right. But as a a person who remembered Rodney King, the person who had seen other examples, as we all have, of police brutality over the years, she wanted to look at it from the inside. She did not go into this intending really to write a book about it. 
She really just wanted to be a police officer. And I think that that in itself was one of my favorite things about this book. As somebody who, um, I think I've said before, definitely sympathizes with the Black Lives Matter movement and definitely um, feels that we've got some real change that we've all got to work on. But I also have friends who are police officers and who are rightly and justifiably proud of the job that they do and the badges that they wear. I feel like Rosa Brooks did an excellent job of presenting the challenges and the importance of what our police officers do. Yeah, it tells a very balanced story. You know, in the last year or two, I've read some books that were important and some books that were enjoyable, and this one really fits squarely into both camps, and that's a rare thing. A lot of the books that are important are not pleasant. It's uncomfortable. Uh, This book really never goes there. I mean, it acknowledges the issues that you talk about and at the same time acknowledges that the vast majority of the cops in this book are just people, the same as in any other office. And they're people who are in it to try to help other people, and they're trying to do a good job. Um, With little resources and um, lots of overwork. And well, and a, and a really shaky idea of what exactly the goal of it is. And that's one of the things I love that Rosa Brooks, at the end, she comes back and she's like, let's start a program to kind of well, Define, and you're, like you're giving nothing to... away because she talks about that at the beginning. Yeah. She she like made this proposal at the start of the book, um, but she didn't present it anywhere then. Yeah. So she returns to that idea at the end. But um, yeah, the idea that it's the police officers themselves whom she wants to have involved in making the changes that many of them also see needs to be Oh, made. absolutely. Because they, they spend their time on things that are not terribly productive where if you arrest somebody, are you really helping anybody? It's it's hard to say. I really liked that she, in seeing the job through her eyes and through the eyes of her colleagues, you got a really good look at where the issues, like where a lot of the issues stem from. And um, she did this just by telling stories. And the stories were my favorite thing. Um, it, this book does have research. She's, you know, a a law school professor. She knows how to do her research. She knows how to write, but mostly in her premise to the book, she says, I'm going to tell you stories. Mm -hmm. You, you hopefully will be able to come to your own conclusions at the end of these stories. But all I've got is what I've experienced and what I've seen. And I'm just going to tell you stories. And she's an excellent writer and her stories draw you through the book. When you read this book, your conclusions may be different from what ours were. She does not really try to lead you one way or another on anything. She basically just says, let me open the door. Let me invite you in to what this is like, to, to what goes on here, yeah. to the training that we're given and the work that we're expected to do, and then help us. Like, help us figure out what the next steps ought to be. Yeah, And I... It, it is a different kind of voice about these issues than anything that I've heard over the last few years. And I found it to be really interesting, really um, thought provoking and just really kind of like creatively convicting too, if that's mm-hmm. a phrase that makes sense here. Oh, absolutely. And, and the common thing again, between this and the Fatsis book I mentioned earlier is I understood 
two little sub pockets of society differently than I ever did before by just telling the story, by just showing how these things work. I felt like at the end of the fastest book, I understood an NFL locker room differently than I ever would have before. And with a more human eye in the same way, you think about two cops sitting in a squad car somewhere. And and I feel like I have a much clearer idea of, of what it is that they're doing, what they might be thinking you know, it's just a different way of seeing something. I was so lost. I'd forgotten that you compared this to another book that you'd read. And I was like, where did the locker room come from? <laughs> that just took me a minute there. But this is an excellent book. Um, that really, because of the storytelling nature of it, I feel like he was a quick read for me. Like, I had a hard mm-hmm. time putting it down. Um, so if you have any interest at all, in these kinds of issues or honestly really you should just read it whether you think that you're interested in these kinds of issues or not because this is something that pertains to all of us and the care for our society yeah it's a thinking outside the box kind of book and a a really enjoyable one thanks to uh, andy and carrie for sending it our way Uh, really appreciated it I know it was one of Andy's 10 uh, best of the year last year, and it might be one of my 10 best of the year this year. Maybe winding up that way for us Yeah, it's definitely an early competitor in the field. So, enjoyed it, and next time around, what is it that I'm reading? It's the... the, You're going to read the new and the last Rachel Held Evans book, which is called Wholehearted Faith, and it was finished by her friend Jeff Chu. Well, looking forward to that. I've read... I think there's one of hers I haven't read. I've read most of hers. I don't think I've read all of them. Yeah, you haven't read the one about biblical womanhood. No, no, I haven't. <laughs> That's true. I would remember that. It was yeah. hilarious, so you might want to read, read it at some, it at some point. point. Yeah, who knows? But anyway, tell us what you're reading and what we should be reading, uh, how crazy we are to have not raved more about your favorite book ever or whatever else you got on your mind. You can reach us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com. On Instagram at Paperback Readers Pod or on Twitter at Paperback Readers Pod. Thanks so much. Stay well, and for goodness' sake, keep reading.